0: Hey everybody, I'm John Small. And I'm Dan Bova. And from the Entrepreneur Media Podcast Network, this is Dirty Money.
1: Investigators have called it one of the biggest corruption cases
0: ever. You're one of the greatest con men of all time. You're the daddy of them all. But what does it take to be a good con man? I'm not guilty. You're the
2: one who's guilty.
0: Well hey Dan. Johnny boy, how are you? I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. Feeling a little dirty. Yeah, you you sound a
2: little you sound a little stuffed up. Maybe this will help clear your sinuses. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> nothing <laughs> like a little episode of dirty money to yes. clear the system. <laughs> Just flush out all the toxins. I am a little under the weather, but I think it kind of gives me that sultry, you know, Barry White kind of vibe.
2: Yeah, yeah, you sound you sound scary, and I'm just gonna say you sound kind of sexy too. So <laughs> I, I think this is gonna be a real treat. So at the time we're recording this, and really by the time this episode comes out, we are gonna be like deep in the 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 hot center of holiday season, you know desperate times out there the uh today there was a bust you know we we talk about heists and things like that today the cops done good they uh in oregon they broke up this um this uh crime ring yeah 28 people were arrested in this oregon retail theft sting operation at a shopping mall they recovered five grand in stolen merchandise that's
0: that's a lot of spencer gifts crap (laughs) That is, and that's such a issue right now. Like, you know, I live in LA and it's like there are so many thefts of you know, you go to like a Target, everything's under glass, you know, there there's a lot of um store theft. So I know that they're starting to crack down on that yeah. now. Yeah, they say uh
2: they say that um this involved uh, Target, Coles, REI, Barnes and Noble, JC Penny. Man, who's who wants Anything from JCPenney.
0: Um, <laughs> With all due respect to JCPenney. <laughs> no
2: no res- I mean, if they start sponsoring us, uh, that's another story. But right now, come on. Who's Jesus? Uh, Sephora, all these places. Um, and, uh, you know, the authorities are saying, you know, this isn't this isn't. A, obviously, it's not a one time deal. Right.
0: It's not just a bunch of opportunists. They're like, oh, you know. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's I mean, it's desperate people. It's also. There's some of the laws are softer now on these kind of mis, uh, misdemeanor type crimes. So so, yeah, you think it's just some opportunist, but it sounds like it's like an organized thing like. a Yeah, you know.
2: they say that uh, the National Retail Federation, I'm reading this from an article, said that retailers across the country faced a dramatic jump in financial losses from unprecedented levels of organized retail cl- crime. 2022 it's this amounts to 112.1 billion dollars my own
0: whoa somebody's getting
2: paid someone's getting paid someone's getting a lot of jc penny crap um but uh um, <laughs> where do
0: they sell this stuff i always <laughs> wonder like how do you resell so all oh, right so you steal a bunch of bags or whatever like where do you sell yeah, it yeah i guess you put it on ebay i don't know um oh that's probably it man maybe that bag i got diana my wife for uh <laughs> for the holidays might be a hot item i was wondering why I it was know, so cheap if my christmas present from you is uh
2: jc penny's uh, i'm gonna know where where it came from but um to re yeah but anyway i hope i hope that uh warms everybody's hearts and sort of primes yeah the happy pump. holidays
0: everybody happy
2: holidays and i hope that primes the pump a little bit john you've got today's story and you know when you told me the what you wanted to talk about i was like let's do it
0: Yeah, there's nothing kind of says holiday cheer like a story of the Menendez brothers, Uh, probably (laughs) one of the most depressing stories, uh, certainly of the 20th, 20th century. But I didn't know a whole lot about it. I got to be honest with you, like I probably should have because I did live through it. Uh, I was alive when this all happened. And but anyway, that story is it's it's sort of come back in the news lately, the Menendez brothers, because Ryan Murphy who is a big TV producer? Uh, is remaking their story as part of his monster series. The first one he did was the the Jeffrey Dahmer story, mm-hmm. which was on Netflix, which I think a lot of people saw. And I I just couldn't watch that, but yeah. uh, but but it was a huge hit. And so the next one is about the Menendez brothers. So you can sort of see. They're in the same company as Jeffrey Dahmer. So we're in for a Ooh. treat today.
2: Yeah. So grab yourself a cup of cocoa, light, the, <laughs> light a log in the fire, bring the family together. This is going to be a treat.
0: Ugh. So the Menendez brothers, what a what a pair, Eric and Lyle Menendez. And depending on who you believe in this story, they this is either really a tale of greed gone horribly, horribly wrong or really a sad story of of abuse sexual abuse and and self-defense so either way it's a dirty money story for sure it involves money and it involves bad people doing bad things
2: wonderful i am (laughs) i am titillated and ready to go i kind of i like you i mean i i remember this but like like a lot of these stories that we're talking about you know it's something that happened couple of decades ago was in our lifetime you kind of remember it but but man it's sounds like it's a
0: it's a lot worse than what i remember it's really really bad let me set the scene here a little bit not many Hollywood murder mysteries ever took a more dramatic turn than police are describing in a couple of savage Beverly Hills killings. The victims were a man and his wife. He helped finance such movie hits as Rambo First Blood Part 2 and Red Heat. I've been in this business for over 33 years and uh, I've heard of very few murders that were more savage than this one was. Eric and Lyle Menendez. They were two very, very, very wealthy teenagers growing up in Beverly Hills in the 80s. Um, they lived in a big house on Elm Drive, just like I, I wanted it to be Elm Street because uh, yeah. <laughs> so, it's kind of like the nightmare on Elm Street, but but it's Elm Drive. I'm sure that wasn't lost in anybody. They were the, the kids of a couple by the name of Jose and Kitty Menendez and Jose is really a kind of larger-than-life figure. He was very, very controlling, very, very domineering. He was a big-time Hollywood producer executive. He also created the band Menudo. Do you remember Menudo? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that okay. guy. That guy. He did some big things, and yeah. he was also he was also feared in Hollywood. He was one of those people that. People were terrified of, you know, throwing things at people and just making, you know, just a dirty, a dirty player. Background is he came from Cuba, Cuban immigrant. He left his family left when Castro came into power. Uh, He met his wife, Kitty, in Illinois uh, in college, and they eventually moved to Princeton, New Jersey, where they had these two children that they raised in complete and utter privilege. These kids were pampered, spoiled. They were groomed to be like great tennis players. They, sometimes he would basically, if they want to go to the city, Jose would hire a limo to take them into the city. Wow. You know, they didn't, no, you don't take the bus into the city. No, you, you, you got to do the limo. And, you know, he was all about appearances, Jose. He wanted his kids to uh, appear to be, you know, very, very wealthy and happy and et cetera, et cetera. Very much the American dream.
2: Yeah, I was going to
0: say so far, it doesn't doesn't sound half bad. (laughs) No, it wasn't. it, It didn't seem bad from the surface. And from the surface, you think, you know, these two good looking kids from a well to do family in a very kind of bucolic setting in Princeton. They moved to Princeton, New Jersey, which is, you know, home of Princeton University, very, you know, leafy trees, real suburban type thing. And when it came time for Lyle to go to college, you know, his father only wanted the best for him. So he sent Princeton a fifty thousand dollar donation and said, you know, my kid is a uh, my kid is applying for college. You might want to let him in. Princeton lets him in and what happens? Lyle gets suspended his first year for plagiarism. Oof. Um so these kids are so spoiled that they really don't even know what it is to work, um what it is to really earn anything. They've just kind of been given everything on a golden golden platter.
2: Okay. So how do they go from uh getting kicked out of uh Princeton to being
0: these like uh Beverly Hills teens well what happened was jose got a big job at this company called carol co pictures which doesn't exist anymore but they were it was a big movie company at the time and um he moved the family out to california when they were teenagers and you know you can take the kids you take the spoiled kids out of Princeton, but you can't take the spoil out of the spoiled kid. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. The I first place so. they moved, the first place, anyway, basically they moved, but they remain the same spoiled kids. So they moved to Calabasas. Calabasas, we've talked about before on this show. It's yeah. sort of an incubator for spoiled, rotten, bad, nefarious kids who do nefarious, terrible things. And this is where, not, not to put the Kardashians in the same a bucket because they've they've done things legit. They, but they live there, you know, Justin Bieber lives there. Um mm. but this is also where the bling ring was. Yes. Remember the bling right. ring that we talked about? Yes. Yeah.
2: If you haven't listened to that episode, pause this, go listen to that, and then come back. We'll be waiting.
0: <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> um so Eric and Lyle fall into this sort of rich crowd and they become obsessed with robbing their rich friends' homes, even though they're they're rich themselves. They do these things that they call hot prowls, where they just drive around and pretend like they're gonna rob a house. Like, hey, if we went into this house, we could do this, we could do that. And they they sort of like do these, kind of like almost play this game of what it would be like to to rob, uh, until eventually they do decide to do some burglaries. At one point, Eric, who is the younger brother, stole cash and jewelry from his girlfriend's house and he wasn't too subtle about it. He actually he he rented a moving van. He backed the van into her driveway and stole a hundred thousand dollars worth of loot from her house. Just, in, <laughs> just for everybody to see, all the neighbors to see. What? Yeah. I, he's just you know, it's like they were just in a bubble of non reality. It sounds like. Yeah. And so wait. wait. So, was I mean, I'm
2: assuming he got caught if he did it in plain sight.
0: Yeah, he got caught almost immediately. Okay. Uh, there was absolutely no, was terrible criminal. <laughs> and, you know, you would think that the police you know, would have gone to jail or something. Yeah. But no, that's not how it works for the rich. Daddy, basically, what he did was Jose would went around. He visited every home that these guys had robbed previously, plus his girlfriend's home. And he asked how much they took. Uh, and then he wrote them a check right there on the spot. He wrote wow. the families a check for the the stolen goods. Plus he returned all the goods. And so basically they put Eric on probation and he, you know, he, but he, that spared him jail because nobody pressed charges. So once again, Jose bailed, bailed his rich, his rich wow. kids out.
2: You know, John, just to pause for one second, I'm thinking about a time in my life when I was, maybe I was five Yeah. I took a candy bar that I hadn't (laughs) paid for. And in the parking lot, my dad noticed this and Mm -hmm. he marched me right back in and made (laughs) me give it back and apologize on the spot. Who knows? I could have been a Menendez brother if my dad didn't do that for me. So thanks, dad.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Bova, because you could have been in jail. Um, you, You know, look at your path and look at theirs yeah right? okay, that, that's, that's all the I'm diverging
2: saying. point i could that's have become diver- a murderer if i didn't give back that candy bar okay sorry go ahead so that's good parenting
0: but on the side of bad parenting or to talk about bad parenting for a while so jose and his wife kitty were so embarrassed by this sort of incident in calabasas that they decided they need to get out of town um at least get out of Calabasas. so they moved to beverly hills which <clears throat> for those who don't know the geography of Los Angeles is much sort of closer to the sort of heart of soul of Los Angeles it's also Beverly Hills everybody knows what Beverly Hills is it's an incredibly rich pocket of Los Angeles apparently so apparently when this when this all went down Jose just flipped his lid he basically said you guys aren't leaders you know life is about winning you're losers and he said you know i'm going to i'm going to lay down the law and you guys are you guys are going to to pay the price and a lot of lot of big words, but it seems like the kids just continued to do what they did mm. in Beverly Hills. You would think, you know, they would things would get better. Straighten up and fly straight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a place where just people go to become saints. And and so <laughs> uh, it doesn't really work out that way. Um, Lyle uses his money to basically become a playboy. He dates a Victoria's Secret model um, and. uh Jose and his mother and Kitty don't a- approve at all of the women that he brings home, but it doesn't matter. He brings them home anyway. Um, he steals his parents' credit cards. Um, meanwhile, Eric decides he wants to be a fashion model. So he does a bunch of photo shoots and um, and uh, never, you know, never really makes it as a model or, you know, he didn't really have time to make it as a model. But uh, so he that's kind of what they're doing. One kid's a model. One kid's a a. a play uh, a a, uh, playboy and how how does jose take this jose thinks basically his younger son who wants to model is gay and accuses him of being gay which at the time was like the worst thing you could say yeah Uh, of course this is the 80s very different than now and uh, you know eric actually in in interviews has said that he wasn't gay but whatever uh so you know jose was just sort of put him down and then he told lyle that he was a loser and only losers you know spend their money and steal their parents credit cards that kind of thing so still like not exactly the greatest role model for the kids yeah Um, it's just talk about a dysfunctional family
2: i was gonna say so far i'm not i'm not rooting for anybody here
0: yeah i mean we haven't even talked about their mom kitty very sad character from what i've read she was apparently just a terrible drug addict and an alcoholic she overdosed on valium at one point um almost died and the boys say that that she was abused often by by Jose. Meanwhile, Jose was off having affairs. He had an eight-year affair with a woman in New York while he was married. He was a frequent visitor to the a brothel in Beverly Hills. Um he even this is the, this is actually the worst thing I've ever heard. He supposedly killed their dog. Their dog was a big barker, and he supposedly killed their dog. And to freak the kids out, he put the dog's head in a refrigerator. This is a story oh, that they told. Oh
2: Jesus. <laughs>
0: Wow. It's just the most dysfunctional family you can yeah. imagine, but it looks like, you know, you want to be these kids. They're handsome. Yeah. They're Man. rich. They date Victoria's secret models, you yeah. know. Yeah. Everything seems great.
2: Yeah, I mean, all right. This all these there's obviously <laughs> this is uh we need Dr. Phil or we need someone yeah. to help out here, but like where does this get like dirty money territory?
0: Yeah. So let's start where this starts getting to be going from being just dysfunctional to being quite dark. On August 20th, 1989, the Beverly Hills cops uh, get a call from Lyle and Eric. They're panicked. They're panicked. They say their parents have been brutally murdered in their own home. The police arrive. They find that Jose was shot five times, once to the back of the head uh, with a 12-gauge shotgun. Kitty was shot ten times. Oh! And they would later find out that before the fatal shot to her cheek, she was actually on the ground, crawling and moaning to get help, crawling around the room until somebody uh, shot her to kill her. There is horrible, like brain matter found all over. Oh my God! The premises. It was a violent, brutal murder wow that the kids apparently said they had stumbled upon they their story was that they had gone to the movies and when they came home they found their parents dead in the living room and they told the police that they thought it might be a mob hit because they said that they had noticed that their dad had been whacked on the knees and it seemed like that's what the mafia do they whack people on their knees there is a terrifying 911 call tape uh, on the day of the murder
1: Emergency? Yes, police. Uh... Oh! What's, uh... What's the problem? What's the problem? What's <laughs> the problem? How'd I kill my parents? Pardon me? how my parents. What? Who? Are they still there? Yes. Yeah. The people. What? No, no, no. <laughs> Were they shot? Hey, Matthew! Uh, were they shocked? Yes. Did they were shocked? Yes. I'm shocked. I don't want to What happened? Hey, <laughs> Hey, I haven't hysterical person of I'm trying to get seen for other units are
0: Now this gets, so Jose is now dead. Kitty is now dead. The two uh, boys have found the the bodies. So
2: I'm just gonna, you know, do some uh, armchair psychology. But, you know, from what I've seen in movies and read and all that, you know, usually when it's a professional hit, it is very much like, boom, they're dead, we leave. But this sounds like shooting someone 10 times or 12 times Was it 10 or 12? I forget, but a lot. That sounds like there's a lot of emotion behind that. That's not just about like, uh, you owe us money, so we're going to kill you.
0: Yep. And the police were immediately suspicious. I mean, when they first got there, you know, they treated the kids as victims. But as time went on and the story started not really adding up, uh, they started becoming suspicious of the kids. Um, The thing is, (laughs) this is Beverly Hills and in Beverly Hills. At that time, there were two homicides a year. So even though this is in the middle of a very big city of Los Angeles, Beverly Hills itself was not used to uh, to crime, despite what you might have seen in Beverly Hills Cop. Right, right. It wasn't, <laughs> it's not it's not a hotbed of homicide. So maybe they weren't as experienced in dealing with this as as other uh, precincts in in California. And in fact, they they kind of coddled the kids. They didn't they didn't do things that they normally would do. In, yeah. If they had examined the crime scene more extensively that day, they would have found that there was two guns uh, in the, in the kid's car, two shotguns, just lying in the kid's car. And they probably would have found that there was gun residue just all over their hands, but they didn't find that right away. And so eventually there's a lot of questioning, a lot of hand wringing, but they don't have any evidence really at this point that the, that the, that the kids may have done it.
1: I lost my job in 2008 right before my wedding, actually. Getting let go would turn out to be my first step toward passive income, a fluid and dynamic way of earning income while changing lives at the same time. I found that online businesses are the best way to do that. It completely changed my life. My name is Pat Flynn. I created the Smart Passive Income podcast back in 2010 for anyone who's ever felt even a little bit like I did when I got let go. People who want to create and sustain a passive income stream online so they can spend more time with the ones they love, achieve the lifestyle they desire, and turn their passion into a thriving business. Whether you have a side hustle already in the works or you don't even know where to begin, or you just want to crush it with what you got, this show has it all. Wherever you're at in your journey as an online entrepreneur, you're not alone in your quest hit subscribe so you don't miss a beat there's a new episode of the smart passive Income podcast coming your way every wednesday and friday wherever you'd like to listen to podcasts let's get started so what
2: so what's the tipping point because I remember you know n- not to spoil anything but this becomes a national yeah you know, so trial eventually, and eventually that
0: yeah not to not to spoil alert you know they're gonna they're gonna basically eventually arrest the kids but before they do and this is important to know in the sort of five weeks before they actually arrest the Menendez brothers for the crime and I'll I'm about to tell you why they get four hundred thousand dollars in insurance money just just right away. And Right, and uh, just to
2: just to pause, John. I mean, that's a lot of money. But we're, remember, we're talking about 1989, so that's a lot more money. It's
0: a lot. It's a lot more money, and there's going to be more because the the estate is actually worth about 14 million dollars. So that was just sort of the initial. I don't know how it all works. Just a taste. Insurance. Just to wet your beak. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just a wet your beak. So you know, they the, the brothers immediately go on a spending spree. They buy a Porsche. They buy a Rolex watches. They 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 buy Rolex watches. They buy a restaurant in Princeton, New Jersey. Um, they go out on all these expensive dinners. They go on a few overseas trips to the Caribbean and London and Israel. Basically, I think it sounds like they spent the $400,000 in in a week. Yeah. I mean, it's like they just, <laughs> they didn't even like wait. And so, of course, that uh, piques the suspicion of quite a few folks in the uh, Beverly Hills Police Department. And it's all it almost is looking like they might get away with it. But then some crazy things happen. First thing is that Eric confesses. This always happens with criminals, right? They cannot, they cannot keep their crimes to themselves. They always blab it somehow. I don't know. We've, we've heard this story a few times. But Eric confesses to a friend named Craig uh, that he did it all. He gives him all the details. So the police put a wire on Craig and they try to get Eric to, conf- and he tries to get Eric to confess and he doesn't the second time. So oh, okay. that kind of fails, but we we already know. Then Eric and Lyle decide to go to a psychologist. I don't know why, to kind of get all the stuff off their chest. And the psychologist is hearing all these confessions about this murder and he tapes all the confessions. Mm. And then he puts the confessions, the tape confessions in a safe. Uh, but he does tell his wife about what happened. And his wife can't stand the guilt of knowing that this and she tells the police oh. and the police, I guess, get a warrant for the tapes and, and, uh, you know, they have, they have what they need. They have basically have a confession. They also just a side note, they discover a screenplay that Eric had written before the murders about what it would be like if two brothers killed their parents to collect the insurance <laughs> <laughs> and apparently the details had been changed afterwards to even reflect more what they actually did like it's unbelievable wow so, like these guys it's almost like they wanted to be caught yeah so the, so the brothers are arrested um before they can inherit the 14 million dollars and the prosecutors say there is one motive for their crime and that is greed right so so this is all about money then that's that's what the prosecutors think well that's that's what it seemed like right it seemed like a pretty open and shut case yeah but everything changes during the trial so at the trial the prosecutors are basically you know claiming this is all because of greed and because they wanted to inherit the money and kind of paint a picture of Eric and Lyle as like I did as these kind of spoiled uh, opportunists. Yeah. But this is when Eric and Lyle confess that no, the reason they actually killed their parents is because they had been sexually abused by Jose. And the details are very graphic and I won't get into kind of what he did to them, but let's just say it was really disgusting and, and awful the story that the the kids told on television, because this was televised, this whole thing was televised. And this was sort of like the beginning of court TV, which I don't even think exists anymore. Yeah. It was like a 24-hour court station. So they, yeah. were carrying, they were carrying this case, which was very salacious. And basically, these kind of like um, preppy, handsome guys would get up on the stands and tell these awful stories about their father. Prosecutors say the brothers acted out of simple greed for the inheritance. Lyle Menendez says he and his brother suffered years of sexual and emotional abuse.
1: He just said that it was our secret. That bad things would happen to me if I told anybody. And I told them I never would.
0: As the story goes, Eric had been abused for years, but he had never told Lyle. Lyle sort of suspected it, but... Wasn't, you know, didn't just, it was just one of these things he didn't talk about. And for some reason, Eric, when he was, you know, he's basically his father had put all, was putting all this pressure on him to, you know, Eric had just gotten into UCLA and his father was saying, well, you can't really stay at the dorm in UCLA because I, you know, I want to continue my relationship with you. And Eric felt very, very trapped. And it, like, there was just no out. At one point, he was very suicidal. His father was just so domineering and so controlling of his life and was abusing him. So he told Lyle and Lyle just flipped out and said, we have to do something about this. He confronted his father and the mother and they denied it. And then they said, okay, maybe it was happening, but if you tell anybody this, you're going to ruin me and you you can't ruin me, etc." And the kids become convinced that that the parents are now going to kill them. Oh. They decide they need to defend themselves. I mean, Eric tells stories of like going to bed with a shotgun in his arms because he thought that Jose was going to come in and kill him. So anyway, they decide they need to kill their parents before they kill them. And that is what happened. They they killed their parents very brutally. So basically, it's what the defense would call an abuse excuse. They killed their parents because they were being sexually abused and it was a self-defense. And it sounds kind of crazy now yeah. when you hear about it, but back then this was kind of a new strategy. There was a very charismatic, tough lawyer by the name of Leslie Abramson, who was very you know great on court TV and very tough, no-nonsense lawyer. And it was very compelling to the jury. And you have to understand this, again, this was televised. The boys were these handsome, they wore these little yeah. pastel colored sweaters. And they really came across as victims not murderers again it, it, it may or may not be true i don't know we, we'll never know uh, i think most you know the jury the jury's out
2: yeah and you know and and just to your point about it being televised like it was kind of one of the first things that i remember in this capacity and this was like this was a big deal like huge everyone was talking about this you know it, it, it was, was made yeah, for tv I've, it, yeah. And then like, I, what was it? Saturday Night Live would do like sketches about it. Like this was a huge part of, of pop culture at that time. And
0: it's amazing because if you of a different time, because I sort of cannot imagine an an, an abuse case, yeah, somebody no making yeah. a joke about it now, it's just too sensitive a topic, but, but different time. Yeah, um, all right so but the amazing thing is this defense worked because after 25 days of deliberating uh the jury didn't come back with a verdict and it was a hung jury which is you know considered a a win for the for the defense huh that i don't remember wow and the kids were thrilled uh there's you know video of them you know just smiling and you know crying etc but that joy would not last uh the da you know immediately called for a retrial and the second trial, most people don't really remember, and there's there's a reason for that. First of all, it wasn't televised. right. It happened during another trial you might have heard of called uh, the O.J. Simpson trial. Oh right. <laughs> right, Wow, okay. Okay. And, and people had moved on from the, from the, uh, from the yeah. brothers and the sexual abuse stories this time around the, the judge ruled that they could only, they had to be limited in the way they used them. So a lot, they weren't, they didn't have the same ammo that they had the first time around and, and they were convicted uh, that time uh, mm. the sec- in the second trial, two counts of first degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. They are both now. In prison, They are not in the same prison. I was interested to hear. So they have not seen each other since like 1995. And um, they have only recently come out and publicly, at least Eric has come out and publicly spoken. He got an interview. There was a show on Hulu a few years ago where he's on tape kind of confessing that they were abused sexually and that this was self-defense. And him, he tells the full story uh, in that, at least from his perspective. Another crazy issue has come up even more recently that is tangentially um, related to this case, and that's that one of the members of Menudo is now confessing that Jose Menendez abused him sexually during the 80s when he was running that band. Oh, so, wow. Interesting that he may have been a serial.
2: Yeah. And, and for pedophile. people who aren't really aware of Menudo, um you Know it was uh kind of one of the uh, original boy bands, but it was it had this rotating cast where, <laughs> right. I forget what the cutoff was, but there was a certain point maybe when you went through puberty, I don't know what it was, but there was some point where you were now not in Menudo anymore and you got replaced. Um, so it was like for forever, young uh band.
0: Yeah, it didn't, it didn't matter. Just Menudo was Menudo and it didn't matter who was in it. That's such an interesting right. concept for a band. I don't, I don't know if that would fly today. Can you imagine if like NSYNC just kept regenerating different?
2: No. And uh, just everything about that is really gross. Like, just everything about this me-
0: story is, is gross. It is <laughs> oh. so dirty. I barely want to touch it. The, the one thing that everybody is sure of is that, that Jose and Kitty Menendez were murdered by their children. Um, yeah. which is bad enough. And it's, it's the reason they were murdered is still will probably never really be known. And, and the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle, but nobody wins. Nobody wins in this story.
2: That's a, yeah, That that's a rough one. Um, You know, uh, I, I do remember again, like when this came out, it's seeming like, of course, these, these rich, spoiled kids wanted their parents' money. So they just like they're idiots and they just kill their parents to get the the money um but you know as you tell this and just hearing like how the parents were murdered and how it was obviously not something uh there was a lot of emotion uh and rage behind those killings like it it kind of makes you think that there had to be more going on there and this jose guy does you know i don't want the the ghost of jose
0: menendez to uh haunt me but he doesn't sound like a great guy john no, he was definitely a terrible person. It's, uh, you know, but then again, does that warrant his murder? Could, was there other ways they could have helped to handle this? I mean, it's impossible yeah. for us to to sit back and. Make I'll judgments. tell you one
2: thing. Uh, I've never. Uh, while I, I'm not a uh, proponent of people pulling off Ponzi schemes, but you know. It almost seems like nice, you know, like, oh, they just they stole people's money. Like, yeah, that's cute. They didn't like murder people viciously or uh, abuse anyone. But um, uh, it's all it's all gross. How many how, how many how many Bernie's do we give the Menendez brothers?
0: <laughs> this, is, this is I almost feel like we need to have a different system for, for a, a case like the Menendez yeah. brothers. I, yeah, we had domers. Can we give
2: them Dahmers? Um, uh, on a scale of one to ten, Dahmers.
0: You know, I, I'd put this. Yeah, probably like a nine. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a nine Dahmer. And on, a, you know, I guess if it was just greed, like if it was just pure greed, you know, yeah, that's uh, that's up yeah. there on the scale. That's yeah. another nine. Be, you know, if it was sexual abuse, then I kind of give him a little <laughs> bit of a pass. Although I don't think you should take anybody's yeah. life. So wow. Uh, how do you you know i mean that's a tough case for the jury i can see why they were yeah, for 28 man. To 25 days i
2: mean I, I was on a jury for some like stupid like electrician <laughs> uh signed this contract and he wanted like 200 dollars more or something and you know uh i can imagine being selected for this jury and being like oh my god
0: can you imagine being i know i'd be like oh do i really yeah like i just don't want
2: any part of this don't connect me to this at all well john thank you for this heartwarming holiday season story for more (laughs) for more heartwarming tales please subscribe to dirty money and throw a throw us a throw us a rating throw us a comment we love the comments Maybe we'll even start reading out some comments. You could call us a bunch
0: of jerks too. We don't care. Yeah. I mean, look at, we just got a comment a few days ago and, 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 you know, I'm going to, I'm going to read it out loud. Five stars engaging. Thank you. Adnan seven, eight, six, four, four. He said, John and Dan are a good team, entertaining, informative, and captivating real life stories. God, that's. Wow, that's a that's a nice that's a nice. That is, thank you, I, man.
2: Right? We appreciate it. Or man, or I don't know what what what's the name? Uh, his name is Adnan. All right, Adnan, thank you so much. Uh, if we had a sticker or a hat, we'd send it to you, but we don't have any of those things yet. But if we do, you're
0: going to get one. If enough people write in, uh, we will we will have prizes to give away. So yeah, please write it. Yeah, really please write a review it's really easy you can do it on any of your apps where you listen to podcasts it really means a lot to us and we will and we will call you out yeah and
2: if you have any uh suggestions for topics you'd like us to to dig into and talk about you know throw it in the comments you know if there's if there's one of those things like the menendez brothers that like you kind of remember but not really let us know we we'll, we will dive in or I should say John will dive in and I'll just listen.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dan's a great questions. listener. Yeah, you you <laughs> got to go next. Yeah, yeah that's and, right. You know, any books that we should read. I mean, we love it. We love bringing on guests too. So yeah. uh, thank you for listening. And until next week, keep it clean. Keep it clean, people. Dirty Money is a production of the Entrepreneur Media Podcast Network. It is produced by Dan Bova and John Small with music by Rich Bova. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Thank you for listening.